Hi, I'm Ash Taylor, and welcome to the latest episode of Hitting the Wall podcast. In this podcast, I interview business owners about specific walls they have faced and how they overcame them, digging into the mindset of what's involved to run a successful business on your terms. Growing a business can be one hurdle after another, so why wait to make mistakes when you can learn from others first? This week, we're talking all things mental health, a topic that's often shied away from, particularly in men, but a very important one nonetheless. I'm joined by Dan Harrison, Robbie Richardson, John Petty, and Darren Finley, all of whom have been brave enough to share their personal journeys and top tips of how they manage their mental health. They also discuss how you can support someone who you think may be going through a difficult time. Whether you're male or female, you'll find the discussion thought-provoking with a gentle challenge on how you view your own mental health. This is definitely not one to miss. I thought we'd put this podcast together today for a number of reasons, one of which is that I've recently completed um, and published my book, Hitting the Wall. And in, in the writing of that book, it took me back to times in my life where perhaps I wasn't as strong, as confident um, uh, as I thought I was at, at those times and had, had difficult things to deal with. And I've been pretty lucky in that I've always managed to find um, people to surround myself with that kind of helped me get through those experiences and one of those people is actually on this call um, uh, and this interview that we're going to do today. So I thought it would be helpful to pull together um, a few people I know. They all have something in common in that they're all um, business owners to, to uh, some full-time, some part-time. So they've got that kind of uh, theme and they're all men and this isn't dismissing what, um, uh, you know, women's mental health issues at all, but there is a and understanding that men are pretty rubbish at talking about their emotions. So I thought we'd spend, you know, the next half an hour or so just having a chat, sharing some experiences and seeing um, where that takes us, essentially. So hi, guys. Um, thank you all for joining us. How are we? All good. Hi. Today. Brilliant. That's today. <laughs> exactly. How are we today? That's superb. Um, well, let, let's just flip around the room and... Um, just, you know, give yourselves a brief introduction. Um, you don't have to go into depth, but just, you know, who you are, maybe what, what, what you do, that'd be great. So Dan, do you want to start with yourself? Yeah, my name's Dan Harrison. I'm the director of WordPress Doctors. So we look after business owners with their websites and we focus specifically on the WordPress platform. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. And Robbie? Uh, hi, I'm Robbie, Robbie Richardson. Uh, uh, I run Richardson and Page. Uh, we, we are traditional upholsterers. Super. And John? Yeah, John Petty. Uh, I help business owners overcome their fear of being on video and create uh, quality video content for marketing purposes. Like that. That's a really, that's good. Good. That's, that's one of your better ones, mate. I like that. <laughs> Darren? Um, my name is Darren Finley, uh, former soldier and police officer. Now I help with um, Teresa and her clients in their business and hopefully soon going on my own. So yes, soon. superb. I've heard some rumours about that, Darren. That's, that's really interesting. I know, I know. 
So look, guys, thank you so much for joining us because um, you know I put this request out and I've got to be honest, I thought everybody would go, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so it's really cool that you've been brave enough to come on and chat about it. Um, I think a good question to start with um, is it, what, what do you think are the reasons that guys in particular, and I know it's something that's more in the public eye now, but generally, what do you think are the reasons that guys in particular don't talk about the issues that they're facing internally. You know, I've got some ideas, but I've been interested to know what, what your thoughts are. Dan? So um, from my personal experience, my dad um, is particularly alpha male. My brother is alpha male. And so anything relating to feelings whatsoever is very much frowned upon. It's uh, if all kinds of derogatory words if you even start talking about emotions or feelings and stuff like that because you don't talk about that rubbish you don't talk about that crap or if you are then um you're being a woman or something like that so it's actually that language is from their world but actually being surrounded by that actually it was difficult for me to express emotion because i'm not like them at all i'm not the kind of blokey laddie kind of hang around with guys kind of person so it kind of doesn't fit so you kind of get into a world where you don't get into the habit of opening up yeah, that, that, I think that makes sense. I think environment plays a big part, you know, both kind of from a from a parental perspective and also the friends that you end up with. You know, if you if you end up with a friends group where everybody's tough and macho and sport is a good example of that, and you you just don't you just not almost it's almost taboo, isn't it? It's almost like a dirty word, and you? You, you can't be upset. You know, get out. <laughs> My friends are quite different. My friends are very geeky like me, so that's a whole different problem where you're running away from everything. So highly emotional that way. So yeah, you kind of have the kind of uh, talking about emotions is a bad thing, and then you're just hiding everything with your geeky. So yeah, kind of like the best of both worlds. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, um, or not? Uh, uh, Robbie, also, oh go on, Darren, go on, Darren. Um, it's also the the old um, old adage that you know you're the breadwinner. You're you're supposed to be the tough exterior, um, bring in the money, and you know you just get on with it. And all the emotional side of it is um, is taboo because the, well that, that's that's woman's domain being emotional, um, and so it just it's a, a no no. Um, and whenever you've done it at school, um, it was always the same: the big tough I am, and anyone anyone else was seen as a girl or to be girly. Um, and so you're brought up with it. Um, I think it's a person of a certain age. Um, bandwidth, shall we say, age group, demographic, um, that have this tough out exterior. So inside they could be burning up, but it'll never come out. And it's interesting being still being told, oh well, if you if you're going to be all wet, then you know you're a girl and a sissy and all the rest of it. Mm. But actually, that's a good thing because girls talk about it, <laughs> so it would probably help us. Which exactly, yeah. <laughs> is the irony. Um, Robbie, any thoughts on that at all? No. I, just, I kind of echo Darren's thing. I think we are sort of brought up to be the bread. I mean, in a bygone era, not today, but I think we are still suffering from that whole process of being the breadwinner and, and having to be the, the man of the house, which is, for me, I, I find it any relevance because I'm quite happy to be an emotional person and, and I, I wouldn't want to live my life any other way. But I understand how people get into that um, sort of slightly macho, I don't need help attitude. 
Yeah, and I, I think for me, it was all about um, thinking back. It was all about school as well as upbringing. So very much, um, you know, when I'm smallest, the shortest, the skinniest in the class, not the athlete, etc. So, you know, anything that you did to put your head above the parapet meant that you got bullied even more. So it became a defense mechanism. You didn't, you didn't kind of, you know, you, you couldn't show any kind of weakness at all. So you put this shell up all the time and you just, you, you just knocked everything off and just went, ah, you know, that's quite funny as your head's getting kicked in by the swimming pool kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I, although I, I think there's a, a, a reverse to that as well, because I, I mean, my schooling sort of was, there was a, quite a bit of bullying going on um, and it, it actually made me very introverted and insecure. And I think that actually made me a very emotional person anyway, because I, I just couldn't deal with the, 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 the treatment that I had, you know, it, it, it was hard to deal with as a, as a kid. Yeah. And, and I guess that takes people in different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John, were you going to jump in there? So we're sort of leaning forwards and, yeah, I, I'm I jump in. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting listening to, to other people's thoughts um, because it's sparked a few of my own. I, I think that uh, the word that comes to mind is vulnerability and um, making yourself vulnerable is, um, yeah, as, as, a, as a guy, um, it's an awkward place to be because you're not sure how anyone's going to react around you. Uh, it's a... Uh, why did he come out with that? And there's a tendency as, as blokes to, to not want to make ourselves vulnerable because we're not sure how others around us are going to react. But I was interested in what Dan was saying about um, parenting and things like that. And I, and I think that emotional language or whatever we, we want to call it is something that we, we are kind of taught um, negatively or uh, positively um, through our upbringing and our surroundings and, and things like that. And, and I actually, you know, thinking about it um, and my relationship with my parents, um, and certainly my, my dad wouldn't uh, open up emotionally about anything, I, I wouldn't have thought. And you sort of, I, I, <laughs> my dad might listen to this, who knows, and I love him. Um, and, and I know he loves me and that's great, but he certainly wouldn't open up and you know, he wouldn't openly express that in a way that um you know would be gushing in any way it would be subtle subtle tones and i think you know that's a that's a knockdown from his parenting and probably their parenting you know, it's almost a victorian thing that that sort of followed through uh, perhaps um, and i don't think any of us are here we're looking back at our parenting or or, or even education or the schools we were and apportioning blame because this is just a, a kind of like a, a compound effect of circumstance, I, I, I think, many of you know, mm. much. And, and, and I think when you then go out and spend time with other people who are doing the same thing, you, you kind of get, um, you know, you look for people who are going to reinforce that it's okay not to talk about it. Because if nobody talks about it, then it's okay not to talk about it. And therefore you start to believe even more that it's okay not to talk about it. <laughs> and then you go and search out other people who don't talk about it. Cause that makes it easier, doesn't it? Yeah, I've, I've been a member of a, um, a group via Combat Stress, which every week, about 10 of us all got together on Zoom call and it would just be banter pretty much. 
but it would be monitored and sort of, you know, there was someone there just to make sure that it was kept on, a, on an even playing field. And I went back into it after being out of it for about three weeks. But because of what I've been doing and where I am now, when I went back into it, I wasn't comfortable anymore with all that banter. Um, I, I've changed in the last few weeks. Um, so much so that I don't, uh, some, you know, what they were talking about and things that they were saying, I wasn't comfortable with, um, you know, the swearing and just the, the joviality that I was once really, really part of, but I've changed um, literally over the last few weeks. And do you think that change is a good thing? Definitely. Um, it's the new me, uh, so to speak. You know, the, the, the swearing and the banter that goes on um, that goes on there. Yes, it's 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 like you know you're in that room because you know that that's a secure environment where you're comfortable in. All of a sudden, I'm not comfortable in that room anymore. I'm now more comfortable in this room with you guys because I know the audience here. Um, I know the audience in the other room, but I'm not comfortable with them anymore. So, so, so I, I'm interested because, and this is probably less slightly less relevant for for, for Dan. Um, I'm happy for him to prove me wrong, but you know, John, Robbie, myself, Darren—you know—we've we've all had uh, an upbringing that's been based around sport and, and team sport, and there's that. Um, again, Dan, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, I'm, I'm making you know an assumption here which could, could come back. No, not, no, nothing to sport. What in my family whatsoever? So there is that. There is that. You know, that locker room, changing room, banter, isn't there? Where and, and I just wonder whether there's there's a part of that is there almost that we almost use it as a shield. You know, it's much easier to take the Mickey out of your mates and throw that banter around than it is to actually tell them how they feel. And if you can't say to a friend, um, do you know, mate? Do you know what, mate? I, I, I can see you're struggling with your relationship with this, with that. You know, whatever it is, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. It's much easier to just, you know. I don't know, put, keep putting shampoo on his head when he's, you know, when he's trying to rinse off. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say something about that. Um, because, you know, I, I, I think that yeah, when it comes to, um, you know, banter, I mean, I, 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 I have, when you do that, you make yourself vulnerable as well. There's a couple of situations that I've found myself. When you, tr when you offer help, you are actually making yourself a little bit vulnerable. And I can think of times where I've um, put myself out for people and you don't hear anything back or, uh, and you kind of wonder, well, what, what were they thinking? Um, you know, did, did they think I was an idiot for, for reaching out to them um you know some people don't they don't know how to respond to that so you have to kind of tread lightly but even in in offering help sometimes you are making yourself vulnerable because you're showing a side of yourself a, a caring side that that people aren't expecting necessarily to see um so so sometimes it does take strength to step out and ask yeah that, yeah. that question because you, you don't know what you're going to actually get get back well I, i've um <clears throat> generally speaking when i struggle to where i've wanted some help or someone to just ask how i'm doing and no one has you you feel quite lonely because you feel like no one actually cares or gives a toss but conversely 
you're talking about when you offer help, someone doesn't know what to do with it. I did an experiment. There's um, a couple of people, uh, a couple of my friends who are going through some stuff at the moment. And I've offered for help, offered them help, you know, someone's talked to, so and so. And they've not done anything. They're not taking them. So I did an experiment. I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share what I'm struggling with right now. Because uh, I know at least one of them had an image of how perfect things might be for right for me right now. And okay, things are okay, but there are some problems I'm dealing with. And I shared what those problems were. And what was interesting is he responded straight away, telling me some of the stuff going on with him, just because I told him the stuff that's going on with me that wasn't right. Mm. So by setting the example, it's easy to follow. But but also, the the offer of help, if it's not taken up, it's still an offer of help. And I think if you feel vulnerable to that, then it's something you kind of have to sort of deal with, because you can only do what feels right, can't you, in situations like that. And not everybody can talk and share stuff. And, and, and actually, recently for me, I've, I've had such amazing support and, and help from people. And that was enough. It, it didn't, I don't necessarily have to have a deep and meaningful conversation. Just the fact that the option was there to talk was massive to me. And I think that's kind of... That's where it counts, and it isn't necessarily what your response is. It's the fact that you've made that offer that's the important part of it. I think that's yeah. a really, really good. What John was saying, resound, you know, resonates that um, you have put yourself out there to say, you know, if you need someone to talk to, if you want someone to talk to, I, then, you know, I'm here. And then when you don't get it, you think, oh, now have I misread that situation? Or is it just because they could be that they are actually just thankful that they know you're there. The, the mere fact that they know you're there, but you don't know that. So you start to doubt yourself and how you feel inside. You think, oh, is this, it must have been, perhaps they didn't want help or definitely not from me. Perhaps they don't, and if they don't see you in that light. Um, in, this, in this room where we are now, this virtual room, everyone sees me in a certain way. Um, everyone's got their own way in which they, they view me. Some people know me better than others. Um, but always, you know, there's that comedy side. Or, you know, when, Robbie, when Robbie and I went down, um, we joined up down where he was back in the summer there, we had such a laugh. We realised that both of us have a feminine side. Um, and we took, we took advantage of, of that and had such good fun. Um, it was such a laugh. Dressing um, up was fun. <laughs> that's the first thing I popped into my head when you said that. I said both frocks <laughs> enjoying going for a walk with the dogs, and I thought, okay, fair enough. Thanks, all sorts. But there's a, there's a there's a point there as well, isn't there? I think just to kind of because um, I want to move the conversation slightly somewhere else. But there's a point there that the whole banter thing. Do we not use it on ourselves as well? Are we not brilliant at? taking the piss out of ourselves and being self-derogatory to ourselves. And, and is, is that a, another mechanism for kind of creating a bubble or a shield around just to kind of go, actually, you know what, I'm so tough, but I'm able to take the mickey out of myself. So I actually don't need you to do it. Yeah. Although now, now I'm, I'm, I'm not that tough. If I am self-critical, I get upset. 
with myself. <laughs> it's gone the other way. <laughs> it's a bit like Gollum and um, what's his name, where he was saying, go and never come back. <laughs> It's tough exterior. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I, it's uh, it's gone. I'm, I'm in a bed. Well, I mean, Dan will Dan will know this that you know, and we've I know we've spoken a lot about this in, in various other discussions that you know the 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 story you tell yourself has a huge part in playing in what you believe about yourself, and, and I think that there's a point at which where the the banter you surround yourself with, the self banter that you surround yourself with actually goes from being self-deprecating to self-harming because if you say it often enough to yourself it becomes true you know you, you talked about perception Darren it becomes a, the perception you have of yourself I, I yeah I, mean, I don't think I've had much banter it's always gone straight to the nasty stuff when I might tell myself talk um, it, there's not much of self-deprecation just purely self-attacking when I, I think um, I, I spent a, a large proportion of my adult life um, up until four years ago being depressed. And that script that was in my head, that negative voice was hugely critical, fundamentally saying you're shit and you're a waste of space. And constantly that message being played over and over again, like only fools and horses on uh, Christmas time. It's just over and over again. It just never ends. Um, but only fools and horses makes us laugh however many times we hear it. That, sure, does sure, sure, sure. that message does not make me laugh. No. no. Um, but the point is, you um, when you're repeating stuff over, in, in the same way that hypnosis works, where the suggestion that you're being given from a hypnotist to to adopt and then use, you are uh, effectively using the same technique of suggestion when you're going over and over again with the same thought. So if you're having a negative thought which you think you you have no choice over and just hearing it all the time, it doesn't make you feel very good, and you think and feel about yourself in a certain way. If you change what uh, what I call as a story to that something being more positive, then over time you then start to believe it. And it's taken four years of work and some help from a good good quality counsellor and some research and learning that I've done as well. But I now recognise when I start to fall down and not to feel very good, I start checking what I'm thinking. And if I'm I'm thinking stuff's not very helpful, I replace it with a mantra. Like, like a, a, a pattern of sentences that I know that kind of bring me out of it because that message is so damn important but also powerful. So you, you, you've kind of um, taken the pink elephant and thrown it into the room because obviously we started this and talk, you know, started about talking about mental health and, and there, are, there are lots of different types of mental health. None of us here are experts on it other than our own perceptions of the way we we think ourselves and you know you, you you come out there and said look all right so I think I've spent most of my adult life however long that is you know being depressed and I, I think it, I'd be interesting to know for those of you that are willing to share um, you know do, do you think you know how, how would you describe your mental health um, you know, if, if you, we were talking about your body, it'd be really easy to say, you know, I'm a little bit overweight, I'm, I'm a bit fat, I'm a bit short, um, you know, I could, I could really do with more hair on my head, um, you know, I, I could get <laughs> John's nodding away. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's very easy to look at ourselves physically and be quite critical 
and openly talk about that. Yeah, do you know, I'd like to lose five, six pounds. And, and guys are quite easy. You know, you, you're quite happy to go to the gym and work on your body. You're quite happy to jump on a bike and work on your fitness. You're quite happy to start running. You're quite happy to do press-ups if it hurts your neck and, and stuff like that. But you're, you'll openly just go, okay, I'm not happy with that part of my body, so I'm going to go and train it. Okay, and, and if you've got an injury to your body, so if you sprain your ankle or you tear a ligament or you break a bone or you have a graze, you know what the cure is. You know what the process is for the cure um, and to, to get that cure. So if you think about your brains as being a muscle, what, 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 you know, have you got a sprain? Have you got an ongoing, you know, cruciate ligament problem? You know, I've got tendonitis in my knee. What's, what's the equivalent that's going on in your heads? You know, Dan's put a label on it. He's got, he has suffered from depression most of his adult life. He's recognized that. So now he can go out and do the right training to fix that. So I guess my question to you is, have any of you kind of looked, looked inwards and gone, well, is this a sprain? Is this a break? Is this a, a, a scrape? You know, is it is it just I need rest? What you know, have any of you thought about that, or or are you just kind of aware that there are times you feel a bit low? Uh, you know, because I, I I I'm I was very aware that you know when when I lost my sister that I had to be the big man in the family because nobody could cope. So I arranged everything and I sorted everything else out and I and I recognised probably 15 years afterwards, which was only a couple of years ago, that what I didn't do was grief and so all of that all of that emotion and everything compounded with taking on everybody else's grief led me to a position where I just fell into a abyss where I, I couldn't deal with anything anything you know I walk down the street and somebody look at me wrong and I start crying and I couldn't I didn't know why <laughs> and it was like all this latent grief basically that was hitting me but once I understood that and the doctor said to me, you are clinically depressed. There are three ways that you can deal with this. Okay. So he said, well, you've got a sprain. This is how we can deal with it. <laughs> you know, rest, ice, elevation, whatever it is. And I, and, I, and I chose not to go down the route of medication. I chose the route to, of, 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 you know, therapy of working out um, how to understand the triggers that, that set me off and put me into that low and, and what I can do in terms of language and the self-talk that we've talked about to, um, mitigate that so I guess my question to you know if anybody wants to share is you know are you aware that you are that you have recently hurt yourself that you've been hurt for a long time at, at what level John you put your hand up sorry it's a long-winded question I'm just trying to <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to uh, try and answer it in, in with your first, is it metaphor is that the right word of honest I, I would say that um, it, it's a bit like uh, a cancer or something that you're not really aware of like a, a break is something that you're very aware of it happens at a specific time you break your leg something like depression it, it creeps up on you slowly 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 to the point where you know it could be over the course of years mm -hmm. and you think it's normal it's just life this is just life going on and life is tough and and so that's what our dad's told us. Life is tough, isn't it? Yeah, life is tough, and so you know, just 
sometimes you just got to get on with it. There's bits of our life that, you know, no one likes, but we just got to get on with it. And, and that's fine. And so you, you, because it's crept up on you bit by bit by bit, um, you don't recognize. And I can think of uh, certainly one time where depression had crept up on me and I hadn't realized it. Um, and, and, and very recently as well, I, I think. Um, but uh, but I, I remember way back in, in the day, 20 odd years ago when I was in the band and um, uh, I remember, <laughs> vivid image coming up, uh, I, was, I was in the bath and- um, With hair, with hair. Yeah, I remember lying in the bath and thinking to myself, I could just go to sleep now and I wish I'd never wake up. And it was a, it, it was um, a kind of a just a a, a glance in thought. It, I didn't really dwell on it particularly, um, but I just remember lying in the bath thinking, "Gosh, I could just go to sleep, and it wouldn't bother me if I didn't wake up." And it wasn't like a a suicidal thought or anything like that, to my to my knowledge. But <laughs> and this will date it. I remember um, I was watching uh, Doctors. <laughs> PPC <laughs> one at <laughs> lunchtime. Bearing in mind, I was in a band at the time, so you didn't do anything till sort of you know four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I remember I was watching Doctors, and there was a guy on that who was clinically depressed, and, and he said, "I just want to go to sleep and never wake up." And it triggered that thought of you know a couple of weeks back where I'd been in this bath and thought I could just fall asleep and never wake up, and I thought crikey I'm I've got depression um and and I hadn't hadn't worked it like until I, you know, if I hadn't watched doctors I wouldn't have known um so it's something that kind of creeps up on you it's it's like lifestyle takes over it's little things that get on top of you build and build and build and before you know it you're in a kind of a critical situation um and, and I suppose if you've not got those early checkups and early warning signs you soon find yourself in that in that critical situation um and I you know I consider myself a fairly balanced person um I you know I wouldn't consider myself a depressive um I, I'd certainly uh, a, a comical cynic uh you know a, a caricature of myself is you know seeing that that you know the cynical side of, of life i enjoy the curb your enthusiasms and the seinfelds those uh, uh, kind of way, way of life and i kind of play up to that kind of caricature but inside i'm a very optimistic person i, I think you don't think you can be a, a business owner and not be optimistic and hopeful for the future um uh but it's even for somebody like me who who feels very optimistic um it can be easy for parts of my life uh, to, to find myself sliding into a, a state of depression and uh, you know i've kind of very recently during this pandemic uh, i believe found myself back in a similar state to that and that's a that's a progression over the last couple of years i would have thought which has been magnified by circumstance and you know a certain breaking point when the, the last lockdown happened and uh, and just realizing do you know what I'm not in control of this anymore um, and it's at that point that I'm now looking back and going gosh something wasn't right with you for the last year and I can see it now in, in having let go of a lot of things um, there's things that I'm now 
working out, um, you know, currently that, that, um, that I'm going through. So, um, so I, yeah, I would describe it more like a cancer than, than a, a, an ache or a, a break. It's really fascinating, actually, just hearing somebody else's a viewpoint on how that's kind of crept up on them. Because, you know, you said something there about, you know, I could just go to sleep now. And um, it took me back to the back end of um, 2013, um, November, I think it was, being in Birmingham walking along a bridge and I had a moment going I could jump here and I'm not sure anybody would notice and just move on I've been there as well two o'clock in the morning Frimley High Street bus stop if I disappeared now who would, would anyone notice would anyone would anyone notice yeah I think that's the thing that and and I said at the beginning of this there was someone on this call who uh, you know I'm not, I don't want to blow it up to something that it, it possibly wasn't because it was a fleeting thought but that actually came up to me. I can't remember if it was from in front of me or from behind and going, are you Ash? <laughs> Can we have a chat? And, and, it, and, you know, and our friendship kind of started from there, if you like. And, you know, he offered me, um, he, he asked me to be part of a peer-based mastermind at the time. And, and I, I remember thinking, shit, somebody values me. Maybe, maybe I'm not as broken as I thought. And it, and it was it was a it was a start of a, a, a turning point for me. I'm not I'm, I don't I would say quite openly that I'm not fixed, <laughs> but I'm much better recognizing where I am on that kind of up and down, you know, scale if you like of feeling okay, feeling pretty low, and I'm able to deal with it better. But that was the first time that actually in 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 years I think where actually I had a moment going wow somebody actually values me and that that was really important for me and having people around you like that and, and i think this is the thing you know you talked about it earlier robbie about uh, and john about you know reaching out to someone and you don't know the impact you have when you reach out to somebody they may not respond they may not expect anything in return dan had no idea how i was feeling at that time he, he they probably had a chat and go or would put this who would be a good one oh, that ash guy's probably all right why don't we ask him and it it was just circumstance. He'll tell me now I was probably 11th on the list. <laughs> something like that. There's no, not quite. I, I remember that conversation quite well. I can't remember, because uh, I've known you for a while and I just wonder if you'd be interested. But when we had the discussions that evening, we realised actually both of us just how much we're struggling. Mm, because yeah. whilst we didn't talk deeply emotionally, there was enough came out where I thought, ah, I'm not the only one who's feeling all this stuff. Mm. And there's someone who I massively respect and admire, which you probably didn't know, that... Um, I was thinking to be struggling with stuff as well. Maybe I'm not the only one. Yeah, and, and that, I think that's really key. Darren, how, how long did it take for that relationship to get to that point? Was that quite a quick? Because I think there's part of the... two dates, I reckon. <laughs> On the second date, that's pretty good. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I would consider myself a little bit of an open book. You know, my background. You know, I've, I've um, you know done youth work. I've done, worked in schools and things like that. So I kind of I'm aware of um, you know my emotions and, and things like that. Um, and and I'm quite happy to talk fairly openly because I'm aware that it's a good thing to do. 
Um, but I'm aware that not everybody is comfortable doing that. So there's a certain, you, you have to kind of tread certain ground and test the wall. How far can I open myself up to this person before they start putting barriers up and going, look, I don't want to go here. I'm not interested. I, I choose my friends fairly well, I, you know, but, but um, you know, we're, we're all you know, in this group together. But it's quite interesting. And I wonder whether you know, we've all sort of, you know, we, we talked about a kind of a, a femininity in, in our kind of characters, uh, characters, but, um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm aware that I'm not a blokey bloke um, you know, at all. Um, but I just wonder whether there is a certain character type or, or something that we're able to express a, a little more quickly because I'm surprised that in two dates as it were you were able to, yes. to suddenly go there because you know I can think of friendships which are, I've been developing but it can take a little bit longer than two days to go actually I feel like I can become vulnerable in front yeah. of you. Well, what, what happened is uh, Ash and I would have known each other for a year or two but, but kind of by knowing of rather than actually knowing so not I only had a couple of kind of passing conversations, if I remember correctly. Nothing of depth. No, no, nothing of depth. It's just that um, I think we just had the time and we just had a conversation. And effectively what happened, if I remember, I mean, bear in mind it's a little while ago now, but I think what happened is Ash will share a little bit and I go, oh, well, then I'll share a little bit. Mm. I'll share a little bit more and I'll share a little bit more. I'm peeling layers of an onion together. Yeah, and I think from that is when we just realised actually we had quite a lot in common. So when stuff kind of, it just kind of grew gradually. Okay, because it was like a three or four hour conversation, I think it was. Mm. But it, it was, I just realised. Do you think there's a there's um, a language thing here? Because like the words that go around in my head at the moment are, are emotional intelligence. And when you talk about it as, a, as emotional intelligence, it's suddenly, it, it's, it's on a different level because it, it sounds more grand you know but well, i'm very i'm emotionally intelligent whereas we've been kind of laughing at this kind of well we're all in touch with our feminine side which is no bad thing i mean I writing, you know? <laughs> it's no bad thing at all um i think the world would be a better place probably if we are you know we're all women probably but you know um it, it, it's that sort of um the faces on this screen are brilliant. <laughs> You've only got to look at New Zealand. <laughs> my, my son is uh, six years old, and it's fascinating being a pair of women's boat, seeing everything from his world. Because if you think back to a five, four, five, six-year-old, that kind of age, what happens when you make friends is you, you discover someone, you find they like something like you. Oh, you like fish fingers. Oh, I like fish fingers. We should be friends. And it's almost that simple. And I think uh, as we get older, we kind of overcomplicate that, and we realise, oh, you like that as well, or you're like that as well. You spot some common traits, and a number of times I used to take, you know, my daughter to the park, and she'd end up playing with somebody on the swing. And half an hour later, she comes up to me, "Oh, can 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 Emma come home with us for lunch or dinner?" <laughs> I met him like ten minutes ago, <laughs> and you know, Mum's got a Rottweiler. No. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you are right. We do overcomplicate stuff, I think, and that puts barriers in the way, doesn't it? You know, it puts a lot of barriers in the way. Uh, Darren, any any thoughts on, you know, just going back to my original question, any thoughts yeah. on, you've got, you've got probably a slightly unique, um, you know, not, not better or worse, but just a unique and a different perspective. Yeah, on mine was literally, it was, I'd known for six years that I had PTSD, I've known it, but identifying what 
um, how, I couldn't box it, couldn't put it into a box. And it was, it was muted um, about four years ago by, by a friend of ours who said, perhaps cognitive behavioral therapy would work for you. And he sort of just went away, dismissed and not, not done. Um, up until this year, um, when I, I, took, um, I took some counseling, which was CBT. Um, and um, they, well, this guy, he's, um, he literally chipped away um, without me even really knowing. And then the eureka moment came. There was one particular event in my life that was laid lay dormant, as it were, for years. And then it, it took a catastrophic emotional change for it to then emerge and to trigger um, the PTSD. And then it just escalated from there. And once I was able, once we identified that, that's what we worked on. We worked on reasoning out where I am today and, and how to ground myself into today so I can deal with what my past presented to me. Um, and um, it's just, it's been enlightening. I've literally found, I found it. Now, I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's all, it's all um, sunshine and flowers um, because I, I do still have you know, things that are going on, but to, to actually have identified the post-traumatic stress disorder comes from one particular traumatic event that, um, in my life that uh, opened up years later. So this happened in 1988, um, 87, 88 on that time it happened and it lay dormant until 2013, 20, 2014, sorry. Um, and it's interesting because I'm, again, I'm gonna make assumptions here and I don't need you to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm making a presumption that, that some of that PTSD is you know, due to your, your, your military service. And, but I, I've, I've been told, and I didn't understand this until quite really recently, that somebody said to me, well, PTSD is a term that's associated with, with trauma in the military service, but it can happen to anybody. Anyone who has a traumatic event in their life. A traumatic event. So it's very easy for me yeah. to go, well, I know Darren and, you know, he was, he was a soldier and he was a police officer. Well, his PTSD must be related to that. Mm -hmm. But actually, it might not be. No, it's just <laughs> been identified by the, the army's taken the term and used it to great effect in order to get soldiers to open up. Mm. By, and, and it's the nowadays it's getting the access so I was on a call today with um, Heropreneurs um, about getting a mentor, about, you know, and they're offering this sort of service to veterans. And she, she asked me about my mental health, my mental well-being, and she said, and do, I, do you have access to um, any form of help if you need it? And I found that every time I speak to any charity or anything, they're, they're now throwing the, do you want help? Because there's so much of it out there if you want it, but still tapping into this, it's post-traumatic stress um, disorder. It's, it's, I don't see myself as having a disorder. I've got, I've got mental health issues um, and illness that can, it, it won't be cured, but I can manage it. Um, and, you know, PTSD, 
um, is a label basically um, that it's, you know, it works. That label fits because there was a traumatic event in my life that um, occurred and that's where the crux comes from. Mm. Uh, that was the crux of the matter. I never identified it as being that until it took an expert counsellor to draw it out of me. Help you recognise it. Mm. Ro- 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 Robbie, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I, could, I could guess the question was a while ago, but, you know, what, what's, what's the injury, if you like? And have you identified it or have you not? Are you just aware that you just got anxious? I don't know. I've always been sort of quite aware of my vulnerabilities and so on and so like at the risk of being slightly pretentious you are the the sum of your experiences and behaviors aren't you and um i i i think sort of mostly i've had a fairly happy stable life but i go down and when i go down i go down quite heavily but i've got sort of some good coping mechanisms and i've learned more since lockdown than I, I had previously. Because I, one of the things that I've always done when things are difficult and I'm struggling, and it's counterintuitive, but I, I will listen to quite depressing, sad music. And I will wallow in, a, in it a bit because it allows me to come out of it. If that makes sense. I, 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 so I, 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 I... So Robbie loves Enya? No, I bloody hate Enya. <laughs> It's true. No, let's go heavy here. I'll, a bit of Radiohead or something. Or, or, or Ravel. Do you know what I mean? Some, something that's that's thought-provoking. But I can only listen to it for so long because then I think, why am I wallowing and I've got to get out of this? So it kind of helps me come out of it, if that makes sense. It almost push you to the bottom so you can bounce back up yeah. again. And, and it's kind of, for me, it's understanding when I'm at those points and what I've got to do. And one of the things that I've learned recently is going for a walk with my dogs where there's a really good view. It's like someone's taken the weight off my shoulders. And, and, you know, because obviously I've been separated for for nine months or something, 10 months, I don't know. And I found that really difficult. You know, when you've lived with someone for 30 years for her not to be there is a very strange feeling. And just and because creates, when you say separated, you mean she's living in another, you, you haven't separated. Yeah. No, no, we're not. No, separated. Separated. no, we're still very much together. <laughs> just to give concept to the listeners. But, but we live in different <laughs> countries. We live in different countries. <laughs> we, still, we still enjoy one another's company, unbelievably, after 30 years. More but, so now you're separated. Yes. <laughs> but but it's, um, it, it's finding those, sp- I, I, I really do think, in order to be able to think through a problem, you need to, whatever's right for you, you need to find a space where you can get away from whatever it is that's troubling you and relax. And one of the things that I personally come to realise is that I actually need, and it's bizarre to say this because I don't really like my own company, but it's to, to, to be on my own and, and, and in, a, in a, an area where I've got a, a lot of space and no people. And just yeah. okay, so look, let's let's just start to round this off because I think we could talk about this all day, and I, I guess that's a good thing. And then we will get together and do it again. Um, but and I'll echo what I said earlier on in my introduction that none of us are experts here. None of us are. It would be wrong of any of us to give advice because we're not qualified to. But we've all got experiences, and I guess along the way we've all found tools that have helped us 
specifically. So Robbie, you've, you've talked about, you know, going for walks with the dogs, lots of open air. Um, I call it um, big skies, you know, big skies really, really. Yeah. Um, I, I went up to Scotland recently and on the way we stopped off at the Lake District and some of the walks we went on were phenomenal because it was just sky forever. And it, it just makes you realize that your problems are so, and this is all just for me, you know, I'm being very selfish here, but it makes me realize that my problems are all, you know, relatively insignificant. They're big problems to me when they're inside my own head. But when I take my head and place it against that big sky and you see how much space there is and, and, and air and earth and all the rest of it, actually, I'm just a pinprick of insignificance against that. And actually, that for me it's the other way around i go well there's so much world out there there are so many bigger problems than what i'm dealing with that actually I, it helps just level me i, I guess is, is the way i would say it gives me context against which to place my challenges and it, 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 that's quite important for me dan i, I know you've been you know, practicing various things over the last two, three years. Again, I think it's really important that we reinforce this. This is an advice. But what, what have you found that's worked for you? Um, <clears throat> I have so many tools and tricks that I'm literally writing a book on it. But the there are two that really stick in my mind. So the first of all is to not just rely on your partner, someone to open up to. And the reason is, is different people, friends or acquaintances will have different ways to help you. One of the, if you really are struggling, I strongly encourage you to have a counsellor. They should be one of the people you lean on. And then you have some other people you lean on as well. And you can help them to lean on you as well by showing them what it's like for you to open up. You tell them the stuff that's bothering you. You tell them stuff that's hard. So counsellors are very good because they encourage you to, to work through stuff and friends are very good at listening um, so I'd encourage you to have both. So that's the first thing. Massively increase your support network. Don't rely on just your partner. The second one is to experiment with different ways to find ways to find your center, things to relax you. So Robbie has already shared one of his, and Ash has shared his about walking in big open skies. For me, it's creating something. For me, creating something or crafting or some DIY, something like that is one of the ways I center myself. Cooking is another. So play with different ways to find something that centers you. When you start feeling rough, go do it. Because cooking is creative as well, isn't it? So that's yes. linked in. That and if there's, there's something small and you, you, you feel as if you've done something and that, that means something gets something to enjoy. That's, that's why it works for me. I mean, I, I think what you're touching on the edge of there, and it's something that's made had a huge impact on my life I think, in the last seven or eight years, is that sort of... Um, practice of mindfulness and, and and that doesn't mean sitting on the floor you know with your legs crossed and omming uh, and i can't do yoga because i'm quite <laughs> but the, the the principle of being completely immersed in whatever it is that you are doing in that moment with no distraction and being yeah. fully fully present has had a huge impact on me so if, if i if i'm in the gym for example uh, which is another tool that I use because releasing the depressions. Um, the endorphins that you get from going to the gym have a huge impact. There's a, there's a physical reaction to make you feel better, um, feel good chemicals. And, but doing it 
without chatting to people. I don't take my phone into the gym, for instance. I will go there and it's me, the iron, and nothing else. And just being completely focused on it with no distractions. I find uh, remarkably helpful in, in me. The word uh, to describe that is flow. So if you in flow, this is where you're naturally mindful, you lose sense of time, you enjoy yourself so much that two or three hours, four hours can disappear and you wouldn't even notice. That if we are in flow, that's a good place to start with something to help center you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. John, have you kind of found anything, you know, especially in the last several months, I guess, because it's been quite an isolating experience for all of us that's helped that helped has helped you or allows you to pick yourself up when you, you're aware that you're kind of the wrong side of the, the blade? Um, yeah, I mean Far from feeling isolated, it's feel for me. I'm really introverted, so I, I really just enjoy my own company. <laughs> um, I, I love my family, but I, I you know, I, I um, re-energize by being alone. Um, so I've found lockdown. I've like I've loved the time I've been able to spend with my kids, my my wife, and all that that sort of stuff. I've actually actually. Looking back on 2020, there's loads of positives, really good stuff um, that's come out of it. Um, but it's being by myself, I actually, that's where I find I'm able to, to re-energize, to collect my thoughts and be able to clearly think. Um, and then I'm able to go back into um, more complicated life um, with a clearer head and, and more being me. So the, the things, uh, one, one thing, uh, Robbie mentioned music, uh, I'm very much the same in that I would put on a lot of uh, depressing music. There's nothing more depressing than the Holy Bible by the Manic Street Preachers. Go out and have a listen if you want to. Uh... Like really Christian rock involved. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I absolutely love that. I mean, I just think there's, it's a crying out of the soul. It, it's um i think there's something therapeutic um in what uh, robbie was saying about you know listening to depressing people being, why are you doing it? because it's it's expressing something that you can't necessarily put into words yourself but but the art the music some it's something that that, that cries out from the soul so i, I found we that and when we split up with yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and, and, and one of the joys of, of lockdown was kind of going actually back and, and regressing. I mentioned it uh, to, to you guys that, that I'd actually been listening to a lot of stuff I, I kind of listened to in my childhood. So I'd actually been listening to a lot of Pet Shop Boys, which is <laughs> a wild card there. Yeah, people but, um, but, you know, I just, I, I kind of, there was something comforting in it, a bit like comfort food, but comfort listening to, to a lot of 80s stuff, which I didn't really um, didn't necessarily grow up, but you, you've known these songs um, and they take you back to, to Saturday afternoons in front of the television and you bet or something and Dukes of Hazard. Uh, and I just, I found that comforting. Um, and then the, the other thing um, was really just a bit like, what you were saying there about putting yourself into something. I, I'm a great potterer. Um, I like to potter, uh, whether that's in the garden or just around the house. Um, and I just just involving myself in in something, uh, a bit like Dan was saying, crafty or um, you know gardening wise, um, with no massive end results, but just you know simple tidying, for example. Um, just time, the moment, yeah. you know to to kind of clear the head and just have time listening to your own thoughts uh, and, um, and just trying to find a way 
uh, you know, kind of just ordering things in, in, in your head. Um, when I, when I uh, was in the band and I had that depression moment, I asked the band for a couple of weeks off. I just couldn't be around anybody anymore. I literally locked myself in, in uh, my parents' house for, you know, they were out of work. So I was able just to lock myself in, in, in the house. And they all were, were joking because I basically databased my entire record collection, which was quite significant, CD collection. And they were like, you took two weeks off and you, and I, cause I was quite proud of it. But what they didn't realize was this was a, a mechanism for me just to unwind and put my, my brain into something completely pointless, um, just to focus on anything other than um, being around people. Um, and it was quite therapeutic. Sadly, I've lost the database, but you know, there we go. Lots of just floppy disk somewhere. <laughs> Brilliant. Darren, any thoughts on, on, on that and tools? I mean, you've alluded it's already actually. You know, get... Yeah, I th I've got there's there's a few different things that can um, happen with me. And I've spent time working out my own grounding techniques to bring me back into the room, so to speak. Um, and it is, you know, if you if you went on you just did a search for grounding techniques. Um, then it'll come up with a plethora of different ones you can try. And it's all about, it is a trial and error. Um, and some things will work, some things won't. Music, yeah, anytime. And like, like the others have said, that I'll, I've got a playlist that will start off allowing me to wallow for a while, and then it will draw me out and get um, you know, faster and faster, and more upbeat, so to speak. Um, and I've found that there's a number of things that I can do that will, in any given situation, um, will help me out. But the first thing is to do is to recognize that it is happening, that something is happening that's not right in your head and you need to extricate yourself from it. And the best way is to do something different. Um, even if it's a case of putting on the kettle, um, just extricate yourself from there and do something and ground yourself back in the here and now that you're in a safe place and it's good. And overall, I mean, I think I would say, I mean, Dan touched on it, talk about it. I think the more we talk about it, the healthier it is. Um, you, you, we, <laughs> let's face it, we go back to my kind of body analogy. If any of us had sort of, you know, broken a leg or a finger or, you know, taken that knock playing football, you'd be in the changing rooms next week going, oh, look at this, lads. <laughs> you know, how, how twisted it is or how much skinny pulled off or whatever. And you'd show it off, wouldn't you? And you'd talk about it. And I, and, I, and I just kind of think if we can start to maybe think about the brain as just another muscle and show it off and talk about it. That's What's a very big muscle. I'm not suggesting for a moment you split your heads open so you can show the wound. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be less good um guys thank you very much for joining me today i think that was thank you um, thank you it's, yeah. uh, it, it's good to to know that you're not alone and there's you know there's people that um you know and you didn't know so to speak you know them but you don't know them yeah I think that's, a, that's a fair point and i think there's a lot more people dealing with stuff closer to you than you know and it's just about you know as dan and i discovered it's about having the opportunity to have the discussion and you, you know suddenly you might find that oh, there's, there's someone there that I've, I've got to talk to there's somebody else to add to my my network um and we, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be shy about that i think as, as bob the late bob hoskins said it's good to talk 
Can I, can I just add something out, um, in on, on that? And I don't want to open up a whole new can of worms right at the end of the, uh, of the talk. Um, Dan, Dan kind of touched on it a little bit when we talked about your two-date <laughs> conversation because he was willing to give a little of his life. You were willing to open up on your life. And often when you're in a place of depression, you you almost, you you people say, oh, just talk about it, but you don't feel you can talk about it. You don't want to talk to it, uh, to anyone about it. Um, I uh, That's how I've sort of found. So it, often it, it takes somebody to see it in you to maybe make themselves a little bit vulnerable, to allow you to open up. Um, so so if you're, it's it's almost like this, this one's going out to all the friends out there, it, it, more so than, than, than if you feel like you're going through the depression, because I understand that when you're in that depressed place, the last thing you almost want to do is talk to anyone. You just want to hide away and uh, and not be around anyone. So this it's it's going out to people. If you if you kind of aware that somebody, a friend, a colleague, or whatever is not quite the, their usual selves, or you feel there might be, make yourself somewhat vulnerable. Open up a little bit to them and see what comes back. Because I, I think that is a way of helping people to start to express how they are feeling. Because if you're feeling depressed, you're not gonna come out there, hey Jim, I feel really depressed. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. So I wonder whether the conversation, it needs to flip. Uh, and, and it's very easy to post things on Facebook and, and just you know copy and paste a, I'm here to talk. But actually, if we make ourselves vulnerable and go to an individual, uh, and, and hopefully that will be over a pint uh, or a soft drink some, at some point in the very near future, and just say, oh, do you know what, I'm really struggling with this at the moment. That gives permission for the other person to have their say and, and open up a little bit. And I, I, I just wonder whether it needs to flip a little bit um, and put less emphasis on the person who's depressed well, it's your fault. You didn't talk to us. We were all here for you. Actually, we need to be there for them and make ourselves vulnerable. And, and um, I just, I think that's important. Wise words. Wise words, John. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate that. Thank you. You've been listening to the Hitting the Wall podcast with me, Ash Taylor. This podcast is produced by the Business Clubhouse. The Business Clubhouse is a great community of business owners who share ideas, challenge and support each other to run better businesses for themselves and their families. If you'd like to grow your business surrounded by the right people and with the right tools to help, sign up for free at thebusinessclubhouse.co.uk.